Welcome to Sky Team's People First with Morag Barrett. So Lisa Narell is the Chief Energy Officer of Energize Growth. She brings more than 30 years experience working with innovative companies such as Google, Gannett, Adobe and Hilton to gain fresh insight, formulate new strategies and launch breakthrough marketing ideas. Lisa's also an award-winning Fast Company Forbes CMO and CMO.com contributor, and her two award-winning books include Energize Growth, The Marketing Guide to a Wealthy Company, and The Mindful Marketer, How to Stay Present and Profitable in a Data-Driven World. So, Lisa, welcome. Happy Monday, Morag. And to you too. And I'm looking forward to our conversation. I can see your two books on the shelf behind. But before we get into the books, the here and now, I'm curious about your origin story. Because one of my focus with people first is the leadership journey that we have all been on and are all currently on. So when you go back to elementary school, when you were a wee lass, what did you hope to be? What did you think you would be doing um, when you grew up? Well, I'm still stuck on wee lass. I love that. I've never been thought of as a wee lass. So thank you. I was very active in kickball. So I always had, I needed to do things that kept me competitive and on the move. So it was very exciting to be able to be selected to be on the kickball team. Uh-huh. Um, however, I got edged out many times by boys. So there was some fist fighting that would happen between us. So I was a bit of a fighter and a bit of a, and a very much a very active child. I, my parents were very smart because they said, we need to keep this girl busy. So um, I was very active in a panoply of, of things, ranging from kickball to tennis to running the sport the Spanish club, you know, as I got older, I ran the Spanish yeah. club and then I was, you know, I was class president a few times. So they said, let's just keep her very focused to keep, take that energy and channel it somewhere. And um, so it was really a balance between keeping physically active at, in competitive sports and running stuff. <laughs> I was okay. running stuff. Well, that was going to be my question. What was the pivot then from the physical effort of kickball to the mindfulness and the cerebral pro process that is marketing? What brought you onto this side? Uh, it was a couple of things, really. Um, one of them was serendipitous and one was not so serendipitous. I mean, the unfortunate uh, event known as 9-11 really rocked my world. Um, when that moment happened, it, you know, I remember living in San Diego and the phone rang back when we had landlines mm -hmm. and it was my parents at 6.30 a.m. And they said, you have to turn on the news. And I said, like, what are you talking about? So, you know, when you're in that dream state, you're kind of mm -hmm. half awake and you're out of bed, but you're not really awake. So I thought it was a joke, like what, you know, what's going yeah. on, but they really, um, they woke me up in more ways than one because I realized I was in a job that was paying me really, really well and rewarding me financially, but I was really in a dead end career. And so I had realized at that moment that I had to be in, I had to do something radically different. 
because working for this large software company and owning a, you know, owning a business unit just was not mm-hmm. exciting to me anymore. It was prestigious, but it wasn't exciting. And so that was really a big one. And then the other big pivot was that all of the trappings of success were no longer of interest to me. And so I was on the treadmill, the career treadmill, and I just, I just wasn't energized mm-hmm. anymore. And somebody suggested, somebody suggested meet my friend, Greg, because Greg, he's an executive coach. Hmm. And I said, well, what is an executive coach? I don't get that. What, you know, mm-hmm. and well, he, they help you set your goals. And I thought, well, you know, I'm a kickball player. I yeah. love goals. I love yeah. winning. Let's go win something. So he was a spiritual sneak because even though he called himself an executive coach, what I soon realized is he had many layers of talent. Um, namely, he was a mindfulness teacher and he taught very successful people how to get off the ego treadmill just for a while to really ask some some introspective questions. Like, what do you want? What's important to you? What do you value? Um, so I got more than I asked for when I hired him. And so between him and 9-11, my world would, will, was never, ever the same again. And I, I have great thanks to Greg for teaching me about the power of having someone who's looking out, who's got your back, and wants you, you know, and is conspiring for you to succeed. Don't you just love that? See, this is what's brought us together. My first book, Cultivate, which you can see on the screen here, actually the other way, there you go, is all about this concept of allies and who's got your back. And so I was curious as I was reading through The Mindful Marketer, I know you bring a lot of Eastern philosophies into the book. We'll talk a little bit about those later on. So how do you now then define mindfulness when it comes to marketing? It is a universal con- a definition that I learned from my other, one of my other teachers, Jonathan Faust, who works with his wife uh, globally to teach people the benefits of mindfulness. And uh, they run the Insight Meditation Community of Washington, D.C. It's simply in four words, it's non-judgmental present moment awareness. And how can we be non-judgmental and be in the present moment when it comes to marketing? Mm. How can we actually just be with our customers without forcing them to make a decision, without creating uh, artificial urgency or manipulating them into believing our idea is the best idea? What if we just sit with them? I just did this the other day with the CMO of a billion dollar software company. And, um, you know, we were on a path to start a new initiative together. And I was going to um, advise her on this new direction the company was going. Except the call ended up going in a completely different direction because they lost their job. They got, they got let go. Oh, wow. So I just sat there and I said, okay, I'm just going to sit here with this person for a little while and just see how they're being about it. And um, what happened? Well, they said, actually, I'm shell-shocked and I don't know what to do. And then the tears just started rolling. Mm -hmm. And they said, oh, I'm really sorry, I'm crying. I said, never apologize, it's just water. 
It's mm-hmm. just water. It's got to come out at some point because you're going to grieve for a while. And they're like, thank you. You're letting me be human. And I said, well, what other alternative is there? <laughs> you know, just be human. And um, they said, well, we're going to work together. We'll just do something different. Yeah. But I didn't go in there with an agenda of we need, we need to go close this other thing. We need to go steamroll this person and go find out who the new CMO is and go do. I didn't even think about doing that. I just said, I'm going to be present with this person because they need to just let go of the identity they once had. I love that. And it's such a great real world near-term example, as you say, being present, being who they needed you to be in that moment and being mindful. And in my experience, that ends up paying back for everybody in the months and years to come. But it seems like it's also the polar opposite of how we may have been taught about marketing and business. I think about my first career in finance and being told it's not personal, it's just business. And I've turned that 180. No, business is personal, hence relationships matter. And so right now, all I read when I'm looking at marketing is big data, big data, get big data. Give me your email. Give me this. Give me that. Inside leg measurement, firstborn child, big data. So you come at it differently. I mean, what are the consequences that you've seen in your career of that obsession with big data? Yes. Well, big data means a lot of different things to different people. But um, as I, as I share in my book, The Mindful Marketer, there are some very clear definitions of what big, big data is and what it is not. Mm-hmm. Has it, has it helped marketers better predict what kind of products and services people are going to buy? Absolutely. Is artificial intelligence mind-blowing and rocking the world of many organizations and turning industries upside down? Absolutely. There's a lot of disruption going on and some for the better. And that's a, that's a cool thing. It's fun to be alive during this time, isn't mm-hmm. it? Like to see all of this disruption and, and some of these amazing innovations coming together. Um, on the other hand, Sometimes what happens, and this happened a lot before COVID, is I saw, you know, having now advised hundreds of CMOs around the world and and interviewed many hundreds for my CMO research over the last seven years, um, I saw this huge movement right before COVID around uh, making sure that CMOs become chief marketing and technology officers and double down and hire data scientists and really become adept at understanding the 7,000 marketing technology products available at their fingertips. And then when COVID hit, it got people to step back and go, oh, okay, so we're really only as good as our people and our brand, which, you know, our brand is really imagined in people's heads. Mm-hmm. A brand is not a, an algorithmic formula. A brand is is what happens in people's minds about their, their perception of of your uh, identity as a as a company or as a consultant for that matter. So I uh, I have found that people at the you know pre COVID big data was very sexy and and yet I could see some of the cracks in the bell. Um, mm-hmm. what, what I share oftentimes, Morag, is contrary to common, you know, common beliefs. 
But going back as early as 2012 and 2013, if you look at the work of um, of a great column, a great journalist by the name of Alexis Madrigal, he discovered and he published this for the first time in The Atlantic, that up to 57 percent of social media traffic was uh, invisible to all the different data analytics programs. 57%. So 57%. So, you know, hey, I'm the first person to say I love watching companies grow. I love to I love the technology space. I spent 18, uh, 14 years in the tech space mm-hmm. before I started my own business. I started, you know, I used to sell million dollar software products to big companies when I was um, in software sales and marketing. So I have a true appreciation for the the innovation in the technology space. Mm -hmm. However, if CMOs or any leader is over investing in big data and ignores the human element, the importance of actually talking directly to customers they are going to be missing out on huge opportunity. So how does a leader, excuse me, how does a leader listening to our conversation start by just putting a stake in the ground and assessing their organization's brand health? How do I know where I'm at right now in order to then decide where and what should I focus on going forward? Well, that's a great question, Morgan. Uh, I'm going to flip that and say, instead of focusing on our brand health, why don't we focus on our customers' health? Because here's what I know about customers right now. They're focused, if, if, for, if many, do many of your customers sell products and services to other organizations? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So in those circumstances, why don't we talk about our customers' health? What if we, instead of navel gazing at our brand Mm -hmm. and hiring a really fancy agency to come in and create a whole new brand for us. If we could just step back for a minute and say, why don't we shift our focus as marketing leaders or CEOs or CFOs? What if we all started spending more time actually speaking directly with customers? Because here's what I know. They're facing three big problems right now. And These questions and problems need to be asked, identified and need to be explored further before we worry about our brand health. Mm -hmm. The first thing that people are really worried about is they're worried about protecting the safety of their teams, of their Mm -hmm. people and their customers. So their customers, they're worried about keeping teams engaged behind a screen. Um, You and I met behind a screen through the Marshall Goldsmith 100 Coaches community. Um, And we've been able to stay very engaged. However, that's not the case when your boss is forcing you to sit through seven, eight, 10 meetings a day on Zoom Mm -hmm. or asking you to get up for a 5.30 a.m. meeting. Uh, Yes. Right? That's it. It's it's shifting the focus from me to a we and how do we succeed together. And I think it's very easy or it has been too easy to dehumanize um, our customers, clients, the why of business and who we serve for the sake of the avatar that we need to talk to. And it takes the soul out of the message, which goes back to your earlier comment about Let's assume that our clients have free will, choice, 
And how do we connect with that versus just having the showiest advert or whatever it might be on TV? That's exactly right. And so, and then the last two issues that we can all be looking at, you know, around our customers is um, their need to preserve cash and Mm -hmm. be more operationally efficient during this time and manage free cash flow. And then the third is, you know, preparing them for new opportunities and for the economic recovery, the post-COVID world, which will not be the new normal, it will be the new reality. Yes, I think most people have have, uh, started to turn the volume down on that whole um, getting back to normal and recognizing that this has fundamentally shifted how we approach work and careers um, and living in general going forward. So I'm curious, I mean, you've mentioned COVID, you've talked about some of the impact. How has 2020 impacted the rules of marketing? The rules of marketing, one of the most significant changes is that if a marketer, and this is important, I want to see any CEO or COO or CFO that's listening to this right now, I want you to remember this. The world of big live events is not coming back for a while. Mm -hmm. And that is really bad news for a lot of my friends in the events industry, but it's really good news from an operating expense standpoint because you now have the opportunity to give your marketing leaders and teams funding to create new innovative ways to connect with customers. So I am seeing opportunities to create small intimate gatherings of four to 10 people, small regional gatherings of your customers, socially distanced, safely done, Mm-hmm. So it's not that events are dead, it's they're going to be reconfigured so that the experience of an event is reinvigorated. Right now, we don't have, I mean, please don't tell me you're going to spend a million dollars on a fancy conference software product and replicate the experience of sipping a glass of wine mm-hmm. after, the tr- after the big conference with a lovely person you just met in, in the line with the rubber chicken. Right. So the rubber chicken, (laughs) yeah, the the rubber chicken in the buffet line, by the way, there are no buffet lines anymore. Thank goodness. (laughs) But um, so do you know what I'm, do you you see what I'm saying is that it's not that we stop funding events. It's that we redesign the events in a way that is safe and intimate. Yeah. So what are some of the unhealthy practices of old that you're going to be, Glad to see the back of. I am glad to see the beautiful pause that's happening in our society that is trickling down to how we do business. To be able to sit behind a screen and I see somebody's daughter runs into the office and says, Mommy, can I have a hug? Yep. You know. I'm okay with that. I am perfectly okay because it allows me to see the whole person. Mm-hmm. So that's, I, I'm really seeing the trappings of this person, you know, wearing the corporate armor dissipate. And it's like, no, I am, I am a competitive runner. I'm a mom. I am a CEO. I am, you know, we get to see all the different layers of that, in, of that leader 
and say, let's work with the whole person, mm-hmm. not some propped up identity that they felt they had to bring to the office. Yeah. Um, I was talking to, uh, and the other thing I'm glad to say, see go away is the maybe the old belief that there was only one way to create a career. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that was to do a great job, work for a company. And mm-hmm. maybe if you work really hard, you'll get a promotion or you'll move up the ladder, whatever that means. Right. But now people are saying, you know, we're having most of us have been having some existential crises of what's important to me. Mm-hmm. What is no longer important to me? Yeah. Um, what parts of my ego can I say goodbye to? And make room for some new things to emerge. So maybe buying that new Jaguar is not as important as I once thought it was to prove I had a certain status in my in my social circles. Maybe spending more time with the parent teachers organization is much more important to me now. Yes, um, I've heard that consistently through the leaders that I'm working with, that opportunity to pause and reflect. I mean, the competition now is in the fancy green screens, and I've seen some creative uses of those. But the challenge remains is there's a misunderstanding that social distancing um, means that we can't connect. And of course, that's further from the truth. As human beings, as professionals, as family members, as social members, we need that connection. So I'm curious, Lisa, what are you doing to proactively remain connected with the people important in your life, whether it's at work, at home, or at play? Um, thanks for asking that. I am doing a few things. Uh, we focused on, instead of trying to move 18 things forward an inch, my team and I have just chosen to do move three things forward a mile. Mm. So, so, so what we're doing... Say that again. That was really good. So instead of moving 13 things forward one inch, I'm just moving three things forward one mile. Love it. Yeah. So what we're doing is, A, we reconfigured. This took us no more than two weeks. We took our marketing leaders communities, which are private CMO peer communities, which people are welcome to ask me more about separately. These are private peer communities where CMOs can innovate, solve problems Mm -hmm. in a non-competitive setting and be held accountable. Um, We are, we took that entire model and we flipped it in within two weeks. So now the communities used to be regional and now they're national in scope. Oh, wow. Okay. So we were able, so I'm, uh, I'm leveraging technology Mm -hmm. in new ways. The second thing we did is we said our members, because things keep changing every day with COVID and the CDC rules or updates come out daily, our members are overwhelmed and stressed. So instead, uh, so we changed the, the frequency of communication. And this is what I invite people to consider is maybe instead of having that half day meeting once a month or every two months, mm-hmm. Your groups, your customers, your team members, maybe it's better to have one 30-minute meeting a week or one, one, you know, find find out what that sweet spot is, but increase the frequency of outreach to the people you care about. And those are a couple of things we're doing differently. And the third is upgrading our hardware. <laughs> you know, I just, 
Uh, ask me anything about technical support right now. I mean, network <laughs> configuration. Um, uh, I haven't had to do it all myself. However, I had to get smart real quick on yeah. how to improve the quality of the experience of my clients and my teammates behind a screen oh, so that I it's a pleasant experience. I'm with you on that one. I went from a complete skeptic on virtual facilitation to kind of quite liking it. And like you, it's like a mini film studio in here now. And so I know that no matter what, we will be carrying this forward into whatever iteration of the future is held for us. So I'm curious as to what are you hoping to carry forward in the how you show up in the world as a result of this 2020 crucible that we're all going through? Yes, well, I want to uh, share what I've learned so far. So I took a, a bunch of content and lessons learned that I had, and I put them on this webpage that everyone can mm -hmm. see here, the mindfulmarketer.com forward slash bonus. So we put together seven different resources that people can use to create better hybrid events for their customers, to stay more centered, more focused, so they can make those big decisions and answer the existential questions in front of them right now. Um, and how I want to be better is I want to continue to wake up and treat each day as a unique moment and opportunity. So I want to continue to invest. I am, and I'm asking my clients to consider doing the same as continue to invest in healthy lifestyle practices, great sleep, great mm -hmm. diet, uh, a, a some kind of spiritual practice, whether that means meditation or it might mean walking in nature, free mm -hmm. of constant digital interruption. And it might be, you know, just lying on the floor, uh, lying in the grass and looking up at the sky for 20 minutes. Yeah. I yeah. would it. You know, find what works. Find what works. It was funny, as we were getting ready to go live on this recording, we were talking about the fact that you and I both traveled quite frequently in BC before COVID. And it's now 170 days since I've last been on an airplane and I miss elements of it. I miss the new places that, um, that I would get to visit and the people that I would get to meet. But it was also the reality, and it took me a couple of months to get into this, is reinvesting that time that was spent on airplanes or travel in a different way versus just sitting at the desk and working more. So I love the fact that you flag there, whether it's lying outside and looking at the clouds or meditation, but that mindfulness of coming full circle to your book, being present in the here and now, and how do we connect to the people that are important to us? Again, family and clients, and client customers so that we can leave a legacy of which we are all proud. That's how I feel. I mean, it's all, it's the environment we choose to design for our lives. And how do you want to design your environment and make it so that it is conspiring for your success? Mm -hmm. And, and uh, this is the time as uh, journalist David Brooks says, to design and create our identity capital. I don't think this is the time to be going back to our investors and our private equity firms and saying, we promise you we're gonna triple the size of the company in the next three years, and we're gonna do whatever it takes. I'm saying, hey, scale back some expectations, invest in some things that 
are outside of your normal realm of your knowledge mm-hmm. that can enrich your life and excite you and make you, maybe even just make you a better learner, a better mm-hmm. student. Have you, do you have a hobby? You say, gosh, I really want to get to that one. That that's super fun. So now is the time to reprioritize it. So what's uh, captured your attention right now? In what regard? Well, that's exciting you in terms of what are you learning in addition to becoming the IT support for the organization? <laughs> oh, but please don't well, spread that rumor. No, um, <laughs> I will I will not accept any calls or emails about technology. I'm just okay. putting it out there. No, I'm, um, I am in, well, right, recently I invested some additional funding and time in open water swimming. So I hired a coach mm. because I was getting a little rusty. I've been open water swimming since I was six, much to the chagrin of my mother. But um, so I wanted to improve my skill there. Mm -hmm. I have learned a few skills. I learned how to operate a drill this weekend. So I'm learning a few uh, home improvement skills. Mm -hmm. And then I'm learning the art of online, really raising the raising the quality of my online learning, my e-learning skills. So I'll be announcing my third e-learning platform partnership in the fall with a company that uh, provides e-learning through audio. So for, for people who want to learn while they're exercising or driving or doing house cleaning, uh, we're com- coming out with a series of courses on building powerful communities Oh, fascinating. I look forward to you'll have to share more when that goes live because it sounds something right up my alley, as we would say in England. (laughs) Well, thank you. Yes, it should be fun. I mean, I think that online learning being the tiny $190 billion industry that it Mm. is, uh, this is my way of helping as many people as I possibly can leverage marketing and customer outreach to change the world for the better. So on that note, Lisa, for those who are listening, if they want to learn more about how you go about doing that, or they already know that their organization might benefit from your wisdom, how do people get in touch with you? They can reach me at themindfulmarketer.com forward slash bonus, and they'll see, um, read more there about me, or they can just go to lisanorell.com. And uh, download some additional content there and follow me on my blog or my LinkedIn courses. Okay. And I encourage everybody to do that. I am on your weekly newsletter and benefiting from those pearls of wisdom. So, Lisa, thank you very much for your time today. And I'll make sure that all of that information is in the show notes below. Well, this has been a really enjoyable afternoon, Morag. Thank you for making my Monday. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining Morag today. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. If you learned something worth sharing, share it. Cultivate your relationships today when you don't need anything before you need something. Be sure to follow Sky Team and Morag on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you have any ideas about topics we should tackle, interviews we should do, or if you yourself would like to be on the show, drop us a line at info at skyteam.com. That's S-K-Y-E team.com. Thanks again for joining us today. And remember, business is personal and relationships matter. We are your allies.